Well, happy Easter. It is great to be with you to celebrate the risen Christ. Now, I'd like to begin this morning by encouraging you to consider something that maybe you've thought about, but never really invested a lot of time in, okay? You guys ready? All right. That's five people, I think. Uh, What would it look like if you were to sit down around your dining room table for a meal with Jesus? What would that experience be like? Put yourself in that mode for just a second. I want to ask you, do you think in that space you'd be nervous? Do you think in that space you might have some measure of excitement? Do you think maybe you might even be a little bit scared? How about experiencing a little bit of peace? How many of you would say, Pastor, I probably would experience all of those things at some level? Perhaps some strange combination of all of those. But the question is, have we ever really stopped to think about what that experience might be like? I mean, if Jesus is sitting there right across the table from you, what would you say? What would you do? It's an interesting question to ponder what a meal with Jesus might look like. But as you can imagine, today is Easter. You're in church. I'm glad that you are. Glad you've chosen to come to Woodside right here in White Lake. And as you can put those two dots together, it's Easter and you're in church and we're talking about Jesus. We're going to spend a little bit of time together kind of pulling up a chair, gathering around the table to experience what that might be like, to enjoy some food, to enjoy some discussion, to engage with Jesus over a meal. Now today, we have an opportunity to do just that. Now it might not look like the meal that you're anticipating when you leave here today. What it might look like is a literary sort of connection to Jesus and a meal. That's what we're going to be looking at today because we're going to be turning to Luke's gospel, specifically Luke chapter 4. We're not going to go there quite yet, but as we prepare to go there, I just want you to know that we are going to have the privilege of listening in on what a meal with Jesus might look like. Let me set the backstory. Jesus has come to the world, come to our world as a baby. He lived a life as a baby, grew into a man. He lived a perfect life, in fact. And then at one point, he was called to bear a cross. To bear a cross for you, to bear a cross for me. That's what many of us looked at when we were here on Good Friday. We reflected upon the significance of the cross and what it means for us personally, but it didn't stop there. That was the first part of the story. The second part of the story is today when we acknowledge that he was raised to life on the third day. That last line, raised to life, is why we gather and why we celebrate Easter. That's it. That's the reason. 
Now, what I've done is I've just kind of walked you through in sort of vague terms the general idea of what it means to kind of walk through a little bit of the New Testament. Those are vague terms. We're going to look at specific terms from Luke's gospel in just a moment. But before we do, let's come before our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the fact that you have invited us here today. It is not a mistake that every single person who is here today, you invited personally. You drew them here personally. You orchestrated situations and relationships and friendships to come to be here today. To sing you the praise that you are rightfully due. And God, today we turn to a story It's a familiar story for some, and yet it is a story that causes every single one of us to wrestle with some things in our head and in our heart. And God, I pray that we would do that today, that we would not just sit here for the next half hour, but that we might truly engage with what your word says, because we acknowledge that your word is true. It's truth. It has everything we need to walk out a life of genuine faith. So God, give us eyes to see this word today. We ask for ears to hear this word. And then hearts filled with joy as we respond to this word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've already set the stage of giving you a little bit of the backstory, and now we've got to the point where we're actually going to turn to the book. So let's grab our Bibles, and we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 24, specifically verses 36 on downward. Now, I will tell you, I'm not going to read the entirety of our text at the beginning today like I often do. We're going to work our way through the text. So we're going to begin at verse 36. Here is what Luke writes. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled. They were frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And so he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. And while they still believed, disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. It's quite a story. It's quite a story because what we just found a few days earlier was this same man hanging on the hardwood of a cross. This is the same man whose hands had nail prints in them, whose feet had the same nails driven through them. This is a man who was gasping for air upon the cross. This is the man who was in excruciating pain. This is the man who, as he gasped for his last breath, said, It is finished. 
And then he took his final breath. Now, if you're here this morning and you're trying to connect those dots from that man to the man that we just see in our text, but you have legitimate questions of how that could possibly happen, this painful, incredibly public death, how that man can now be hanging out, talking, engaging with his friends. He's touching them, he's eating fish. How can that possibly be? If you are asking those questions, I want you to know you are in the right place. You're in the right place. Questions about the resurrection story of Jesus are not only legitimate, in this context they're normal. And in fact, they are welcomed. They're welcomed. You see, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the people who were hanging out with Him, the people who Jesus had personally invested in, had trouble wrapping their minds around what they were seeing in this moment. They were seeing the real bodily resurrection of Jesus. And they didn't know how to process it. So if that is where you are today, You've been invited here and you're trying to wrap your mind around the significance of the resurrection. I want you to know that you are in good company. You see, it's often said in religious circles that there is really no place for questions or no place for doubts. I want to stand before you to say, uh, I disagree with that. I disagree with that because of what our text says. I disagree with that because what we see the disciples experiencing in this story are questions and doubts. It's real. That's what they are working through. And so in Jesus' kindness, in the love that He has in His heart, He addresses the disciples and their questions and their doubts. And He does so with love and with grace. So it's my heart as the one who gets to share the story with you today. It's my heart that I would try to model Jesus and be able to communicate the same story, the same facts with a similar kind of love. So let's consider what the Gospel of Luke tells us. The first thing that we discover when we read this portion of God's Word is that the re- Jesus' resurrection is true. Jesus' resurrection is true. Now, multiple times in chapter 24, followers of Christ are confronted with the reality of a risen Savior. It's not just like in two verses hidden at the bottom of the chapter that you got to kind of dig through to get there. No, 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 no. This is throughout the chapter. So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of give a a flyover of chapter 24. Verses 1 through 8. It says they find him, they go there, they find an empty tomb where the stone that had blocked the entrance was moved away, was rolled away, miraculously. That's what you see in verses 1 through 8. Then you get to 9 through 11. The people who see this are so amazed that they run away and they tell others. One of the people they tell is Peter and he is stunned. He's so stunned that he rushes to the tomb for himself and the text says that he went home marveling at what had happened. He was amazed at what he'd seen. He'd gone to the tomb. The stone was moved. It was empty. 
Then you get to verses 13 and on down. That's when you find the followers of Christ are on the road to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus was a city that was about seven-mile walk from Jerusalem. And it is on this path somewhere that Jesus Himself appears. He appears to His friends and He talks with two of them, but their eyes in the moment, they're, they're kept from recognizing Him. They don't understand who He is and what's going on in the moment. And as little time passes, their eyes are opened. Their eyes are opened. And so they said to one another, they said, did not our hearts burn within us while He walked with us on the road? Were not our hearts on fire because we had an encounter with a living Christ? And then... All that's taken place. Then we get to today's passage. And the question is still for us to wrestle with. The question is for us to consider. Is it true? Did the resurrection, in fact, really happen? Let's look at verse 36. As they were talking, as the friends were having a conversation about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said, peace to you. <laughs> it's an awesome moment. It's an awesome moment because it removes any doubt that Jesus is in fact present. He is standing in their midst. He is talking with his friends. For those who are skeptics among us, we can easily dismiss this and say, wait a second. That could be a ghost. That could be some kind of spirit. That's what it says in the text, that maybe they thought that maybe that's what was going on, that maybe this was some kind of spirit or some kind of ghost. Now, before we dismiss that idea, I want us to put ourselves right in the center of that situation. You're there. You saw Jesus hanging on a cross, dying three days earlier. Now, he's standing there. He's talking to you. Peace to you. What do you think that moment would be like? Do you think you'd have some kind of weird, strange emotions in that moment? Do you think your mind in that moment might trying to kind of wrap around what's going on? You might be doing some sort of mental gymnastics in this particular space, trying to figure it all out because let's be honest, this is strange. This is different. So Jesus, he understands the questions. He understands the doubt, so he leans in in the moment. He leans in and he looked at, look at verse 39. He says, see my hands? See my feet. Do you see that it is I myself? It is me. It is Jesus. Touch me and see. For a spirit... A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Multiple times in that text, he says, do you see? Do you see? Friends, he wants those who are his followers to have certainty and confidence in what they are seeing. He takes it from speaking to them to inviting them to touch him. And let's go on down and look at verse 42. 
He's going to put an end to the spirit of this ghost talk all right here in the moment. He says, or it says, I should say, they gave Jesus a piece of broiled fish. And he took it, he received it, and he ate it before them. Let me be real clear about something. Ghosts don't eat real food. They don't. Only real bodies eat actual food. In this moment, Jesus is asking, He is taking, and then He is eating, and that is real proof of an actual physical resurrection of His body from the dead. And that is where the entire church says, Amen. 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 You see, Jesus didn't leave the disciples. He didn't just leave them in their doubt. He entered into their doubt with them. He didn't leave it up to their speculation. Instead, He ate with them and He ate before them. He allowed them to see it happening. Church, the details of this are recorded in the Scriptures. And they're done so painstakingly by Luke. And what we need to know about Luke at the beginning of Luke's Gospel He says, I am a researcher and I have done my homework. I have gathered all the research that I can find and I have put it in my book. Here it is. Here are the facts. So for that early church audience, they can know that that's a fact. And 2,000 years later, we can read it and we can know that it's true as well. It is true and it is accurate. At first glance, what we might not recognize from that story is something that each of us are too kind of invited into in this moment. It is really an invitation for skeptics. It's an invitation for anybody here who has a, a legitimate question about it. If you were here this morning and you were wondering, did this really happen? Jesus has shown us something very, very powerful today. He does not shy away from questions. He enters into them. He graciously responds to the questions and the skepticism and the doubt. And what he does is he offers tangible proof of his life, of his death, and now right here of his resurrection. He says it's true. What Jesus asks of us What Jesus asks of all of his followers is to believe, to trust in the one who died on the cross to save you and me from our sin. That's what he asks of us. He asks that by faith we would receive his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness that he desires to shower upon every single one of us by faith. In order to receive these things, It takes a personal faith. It's a repentance and a belief in Jesus who we're talking about today. It's not just some sort of abstract intellectual acknowledgement. Yeah, I think that happened. I believe that happened. It is a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has shown the disciples and he's shown you and me, all who read this text, that the resurrection is real. The question is, Do we believe it? 
Do we believe it? Now, let's return to our text. Pick it up at verse 44. We're going to read uh, a couple verses here. Again, you're going to find it on uh, Luke 24, picking it up at verse 44. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And we're going to pause right there. So if we were able to sit down and enjoy a meal with Jesus, the first thing that we would know and understand is that the resurrection is real. When we look at this text, we will find that Jesus' resurrection is also something that is taught. Jesus' resurrection is taught. Here's what I mean. When Jesus sits down for that meal, when He eats with His disciples, He affirms everything that He already told them in His life about His death and about His resurrection that would happen. He's affirming all the stuff that He's already been talked about. A quick reference point here. When He does this, He's pointing to the fulfillment of the Scriptures. And you could say today, well, wait a second, Pastor, Um, the New Testament hadn't been written yet, and you'd be correct. The New Testament had not yet been written, it had not been penned, so what Jesus is referring to is all the stuff that's talked about me in the Old Testament, you're going to find its fulfillment in me. And He does so by helping His friends see that He is the comprehensive focus, He is the specific person identified where? In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Well, what is that? Why the specifics of that? Because those are the three segments of the Hebrew Bible. Those are the three segments of the Hebrew Bible that we know as the Old Testament. And what he's teaching his followers is that there is not even one portion of the Holy Scriptures that do not bear witness to him. He makes it abundantly clear. If you are eating this meal with him, he would sit down with you and he would tell you that he is the central point of the Bible. Period. It's Jesus. All of it. I was talking with somebody recently and they said, Pastor, I I have my Bible and there's this Old Testament at the beginning and then there's this New Testament in the other, at the the other end, most of it is the Old Testament and then the smaller portion is the New Testament. What what is that all about? Like, how how do I engage with that? How do I enter into that? Because there's two things. Why two Testaments? I encourage them to look at the Bible this way. The Old Testament is the story of a people who are in need of a Savior. There are are people, a chosen people, who are in need of a Savior. And all of it points to the one who would come. Then you move over to the New Testament, and it is the story of the Savior who did come. It's the story of the Savior who did come. His name is Jesus. And then it's the story of the people of God going out and living out that reality and carrying that message forward. It's the old and it is the new. They're connected and they connect upon the person and the work of Jesus who is the Christ. 
This is why as God's people gather, as you and I gather here on an Easter Sunday, it is the Word of God, it is the Scriptures of both the Old Testament and the New Testament that we should be examining together, that we should be looking at, that we should be reading, that we should be reflecting upon. It's the Word. Because the Old Testament points forward to the Savior. And the New Testament tells us who that Savior is. That He is Jesus and He fulfills all of it. It's in Him. So the question is, what does this mean for you and for me on a Sunday morning? On an Easter morning to be specific. Quite simply, it means this. We should be listening and engaging with the Word of God. We should be reading it. We should be discussing it in community. We should be praying over it. We should be reflecting upon it. We should be examining it. We should be pouring everything we have into God's Word. And I want to be real honest about this. I'm treading on... thin ice on that because I know a lot of you, you don't want to hear some kind of shaming like, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles. That is not my heart at all. I'm not standing up here shaming you into reading your Bible. What I'm I'm wanting to do pastorally is to invite you to see the hope that's found on its pages. To see the life that is found on the pages of Scripture. Because it is there that we will see clearly our God. So if you were here today and you'd say, I don't even know where to begin, I want to encourage you at the end of our service, I want you to head out into the lobby and go off to our welcome center and we would love to practically find a way for you to connect with other believers who want to pour themselves into the Word of God and allow the Word of God to pour into them richly. If that's you, we want you here and we want you to be engaged in the Word. It's that important. Now, continue on in our text. Let's pick up the last portion. We're going to pick it up at verse 46. It says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and the repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all generations beginning from Jerusalem. For you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So if we were to sit down for that meal with Jesus, we'd know that the resurrection is real. We'd know that He had encouraged us and taught us through the Scriptures. And we'd also know that Jesus' resurrection is to be told. The resurrection of Jesus the Christ is, in fact, to be told. Why? Because of what it says in verse 46. That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again. So what? Look at verse 47. Because that's true, then we have a response. The response is this. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. There's repentance, there's forgiveness, and there's proclamation. It's really pretty significant, yet pretty basic stuff. 
repentance, forgiveness, proclamation. Friends, that's why we call it the good news. That's another phrase for the gospel. That is why we call it the gospel. Because it's the best news you've ever heard. I guarantee it. It is life-changing, life-altering news. It is the best news you've ever heard. It is a holy and righteous God sending His Son to earth. It is a baby growing to be a man. And then that man living a perfect, sinless, spotless life for you. He did that for me. Because I couldn't. And then he spared that life on a cross, dying on the hard, rough-hewn wood of the cross. But as we learned today, he didn't just stay there. He didn't remain dead. He defeated death and he defeated sin with a bodily resurrection. It's awesome news. So if you are here today, and this is the very first time you've ever heard that story told in that way, wrapped up in that way, or if you were on the other side of that spectrum, you've you've heard that story 500 times, 700 times, 1,000 times, it's a story that begs all of us, every single one of us, to respond in faith. This is why the Scriptures tell us this in the New Testament. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's awesome news. So this morning, I want to encourage you to do just that. To believe upon Jesus, the Christ, the risen one, the resurrected Lord. That's the invitation. You see, what we've just heard is what Jesus encouraged His disciples, His followers to be all about. That to all who believe, you should then proclaim the truth. We are called, I wouldn't kind of twist that language even and say we are invited into the opportunity to proclaim Jesus' sacrificial death and then resurrection. We are invited to do that. Now, you might say, well, wait a second, pastor. You're the pastor. You're the guy with the thing hanging off your ear. You're on the stage. You're behind the podium. That's your job. (laughs) That's not what the Word says. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that is our calling. That's our calling. So as we close... I want to give you a practical assignment. You guys ready? You guys ready for a practical assignment? I think we can all agree that we live in a culture today where everything we are doing, everything we are thinking, everything we like and don't like, we like to share it with others. Am I right? For the young people, that's like Snapchat or something. For the old folks, we do it on Facebook. You've got to tell everybody everything. If you're not on social media, you probably do that in a text or an old-fashioned phone call. But whatever it is, we like to tell others the stuff we are thinking and experiencing. We like to tell people everything. 
I know this happened in my own life this week. I was listening to Spotify and I kind of came upon a band that I had never heard of before. And so I listened to some of their music and I really liked them. I thought, man, how did I miss this band? So naturally, what did I do? I had to tell my friend. I had a musical friend that he and I kind of share music back and forth and I had to tell him about it. I didn't want him to miss out like I had. So here's the assignment. Tell someone you know that Jesus has been raised to life. Tell someone. That's the assignment on Easter. Because He is the risen Lord. We are called to proclaim it. Jesus calls us to repentance, to belief, and then to a life of walking in faith. And the exhortation as people who are walking in faith on this Easter is this. Go tell someone He is risen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.